Hey, I'm Jenny. And I'm Hillary, and you can call us... The Garden Tarts. You know, kissing lips and breaking hearts. We have been bestest friends for over 25 years, and we love to talk you too. We've had some super ridiculous adventures, and now this podcast, which is pretty much all opinion with a handful of facts thrown in. Why a YouTube podcast? Because as much as we love talking you two, we know you do too. So sit down, grab a drink, and find us on Instagram and Twitter so we can chat. Let's get this one going, shall we? Let's, let's <laughs> hey. go. I, I'm over this ready. Is, I'm so ready. This is take two of the unforgettable fire because our first one experienced some light technical difficulties it was march full of technical difficulties yeah like it kind of sounded like this can you hear me are your air there are, are we making a Brian Eno record? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's perfect. The podcast was produced by Brian Eno. There dolphins in here? Yeah, we're speaking dolphins. It's amazing. Actually, I'm into this. <laughs> I wonder if it sounds like it's on the recording. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what it's like to work with Brian Eno. Um, <laughs> ooh, I don't know about that. You think you're making one thing and it turns into another. Right. That's not what we were going for, but it's a nice... Uh... No, but it seemed if we were going to have difficulties, it might as well be... Yeah. Um, so my the, the first recording, the first go-round, we had my brother Jeremy um, as a, a guest podcaster um but unfortunately he is not able to be with us for the re-record tonight um but we'll catch up with him down the line for another podcast maybe yeah it's such a shame because he's like a whole nother because he's not i mean he's a fan but he's not a fan yeah he's not like us he's a music fan yes he's a music fan yes and so it was cool to hear some of his and some yeah things he said yeah absolutely <laughs> but you know he also um he he's he's a comedian so he kind of ha- added a little um element that we don't generally have because we're not that funny <laughs> <laughs> i think we're funny amongst ourselves i think we are <laughs> but he just had a he definitely has a, a um a more even keel delivery than we just laugh at ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah, we're just laughing at us while he's actually laughing at us. At too. <laughs> <laughs> but he has some actual like talent in it. Yes. If people want to find him, he's on Twitter, right? He is on Twitter. Um, his Twitter handle is J as in Jeremy International. Cool. So look Check him out. out. J International. He's a funny dude. He's kind of He's funny. A... Don't don't Can... don't let this go to his head though. No, but he's been helpful to us. He's been very helpful, offering... and he does have a he does advice have a comedy troupe. If you're ever in DC, it's called Church Night, and you can Google it. 
Oh, to be Googleable is it's I'm sure Googleable. No, but he's been very he's been very supportive and helpful for us. Yes, from and he he's our first fan, our first listener. That wasn't us. (laughs) <laughs> or that we didn't trap into listening <laughs> no hey so speaking of listeners we have a lot of new people i would like to hear this information because i obsessively track this because i'm just so like that people want to listen to us <laughs> so we can say hi to ireland ireland dublin specifically yeah. Hello, dublin. um india which, you know, apparently YouTube is making some news in India nowadays. They are. And just the other day, Germany joined in. Um, and also the states of Arizona and Washington. So get this. We've been heard in 10 countries, 15 states, and 45 different cities. Oh, my God. That's around nuts. the world. And I have to That's keep crazy. thinking when we're talking that people actually are listening to us. Maybe. Well, I'm just, I'm, I hope people are as entertained and having as much I fun really as we do. do. And I hope whoever you are listening, thank you, <laughs> thank you, thank you. I know. Because we have fun with this. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, um, do we have a specific state that we don't have a listener in that maybe we can um, lobby this state to listen to us? Um, oh, gosh. Let's look. Do you want me to tell you the states that we do have? I don't know. I'm just going to randomly no. ask you a state. Do we have any okay. listeners in Florida? No, we don't have anyone well, then in Florida. That's it. We need a Florida listener. There we go. Yeah. I just randomly Bring picked a state and that's it. Yeah. So, okay. dear Florida, listen. It's your t- you're you're up. Your turn. You're you're at bat. Yeah. Let us know who you are and on. thank you in advance. Exactly. <laughs> what so what are you drinking? Um, today I have, um, some Jameson Irish whiskey, but I added a ginger peach sparkling water to it. That sounds lovely. It's really quite delightful. I had a bit of an indulgent weekend, Mm -hmm. so I decided to take it a little bit light this evening. It's more water than whiskey. Some nice flavor. I'm drinking, um, Magner's. Oh yeah, cider, which in Ireland you know is Balmer's. Balmer's. It tastes the same because it is the same. It's exactly the same. It's just nice. It just tastes. It's nicer to drink it in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. It's always better to have it poured. Yeah, and you know what? Like uh, a year ago, we were twenty some days away from going to Ireland. Twenty seven days or something. I just I don't remember the remember. when we booked that trip and it was like, it felt like a decade away. My parents' kitchen. And then it happened <laughs> in your parents' kitchen. Yeah. It was I'm fighting with flights. It was <laughs> quite spontaneous, except though that I had planned it all ahead. <laughs> but I couldn't go. Right. I, you no. said there was like a 1% chance. And then there was like a 50% chance. Yeah. And then you came to visit then, me, and at my parents' kitchen table, it all went down. Yeah. So. And then, and then you know, bless my husband's heart. <laughs> you're like, he was like, Jenny, why don't you go? 
Oh, I had oh, thought about oh. that. <laughs> I had it. You know, I had that. Oh all, my god! You know, I had that all worked out in my head. I, I'm. An, I know. I have an evil plan, um, always in the works. Except not really evil. I know. But a uh, a plan. He's so supportive. As long as I can help. Um, figure out what to do with the kids yeah. <laughs> while he's at well, work. Well, I mean, seriously, he's like, at, that, at that moment, my parents would have taken them. <laughs> Just <laughs> let them come true. to Virginia for um, for a week, and <gasps> it would be good. It's true. Yes. Just let's let school know they're gone for a little while. Right. They're just small children. It's not like they're <laughs> in high school yet. No, not yet. No. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to talk about that. So that was the last show, um, the last shows in Dublin. Some of the some of the last shows in Dublin on the um, E and I tour. So I can't wait to talk about that. Yes, can't wait. We'll get ne- there. Needless to say, we ended up going. It was actually was it the first two shows? It was the first two shows because the second show was your birthday. That is correct. We went November fifth and sixth. Yes. Yep. But we went for a whole week, so we were there like a solid five days before the show is like actually on vacation yes and then and i not, ended up like, an extra day yeah i missed my flight yeah because i'm lazy and the world's dumb <laughs> traffic's a bitch yeah um so we are making our way through u2's albums in release order and we're up to the unforgettable fire Number four. Yeah. Number four. So this was, and I remember you saying you were so excited to talk about war as we all were. And you made a comment about how this was like, how you put boy October and war into like a three piece, like it's mm-hmm. a, they're a set. And I was like, Oh, you're absolutely correct. Those do go together. Yeah. Like they're bookends. It's a, it's um, a trilogy. Yeah. That's the word it is. That's what I'm looking for. And, um, but I didn't think about how that works with like their larger collection. And skipping ahead a little bit, like after Joshua Tree and all the rattle and hum shenanigans, Bono made that big speech about how they needed to go away and dream it all up again. And little did I know, because I wasn't an avid reader of prior things that he basically gave the same speech <laughs> right <laughs> after on the last on the last war tour the last show of the war tour saying you know um oh, i have it right here he said today was the last u2 gig but i'm not talking about the end of u2 this is the end of a cycle we must develop new areas now u2 is just beginning I gotta get you all up again. So I, you know, the more I, the more I think about it. So I feel like, um, I mean, I don't re- feel like Rattle and Hum isn't an entity of its own. So you kind of have to say, Unforgettable Fire and Joshua Tree slash Rattle and Hum are a group to themselves, and then Octung Baby yeah. and Zuropa, That's a group right there. Yeah. And then stop, um, stop flipping your thing. Oh, it's not that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I need something else. Okay, I got it. <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> and then so, 
But then Wait, all the unforgettable like, fire, Chantry jo- and Rallon Hum go together. Right, Oxung Baby right, of and Zuropa. Of and course, all that you can't leave behind and how to dismantle an atomic bomb are a duo. Right. I don't know what the hell no line on the horizon is. <laughs> it's kind of like the great grandchild of the unforgettable fire it is but it was like nobody wanted to be with it so there isn't a companion <laughs> it's like ostracized yeah and then obviously um it's like some weird teenage years <laughs> or a midlife crisis or I don't like know the smelly person on the bus or whatever like it's just bad, but we'll get there. I can't we'll even imagine there. how I'm ever going to review that album, but we're going to talk about it because there's stuff that I like on it. We're going to have a nice conversation about it. Okay, we will. But anyway, so there clearly there are, clearly are groups, um, and I can't wait to find out what's next. I know. And like this one, you know, you think about like Joshua Tree into Octon Baby, what a huge jump that was. Huge. And I, because I wasn't around when War came out, I wasn't around as a fan when War came out and then when Unforgettable Fire came out. It's that same jump. Yeah. It really, like, really is. Like, it's it's hard to look back when, um, I mean, I, I wasn't aware of the release of Unforgettable Fire when it came out. Right. Because um, we are so young. So young. I think I was, how old was I? So nine? Young. I wasn't even nine yet. I think. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, um, where was I? No, you were, because I was nine in 84. Okay. So I was eight turning nine. Right. So in 84, then I was 11, but I wasn't 11, sorry, when the album you're, actually came out. I was a month away. 10, yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, but it is interesting looking back and uh, seeing the the jump. It's a huge jump. Yeah, it is. And um, I was really hoping to find a review in Rolling Stone from Jim Hankey, who had been um, a big advocate of them from like 80-81. But Kurt Loder did the review. And he was... It, it just went on for so long in so many not kind ways. And he wasn't, he wasn't entirely I don't think he was wrong, wrong, but, but it was just, it's really long. It is. <laughs> um, he said, uh, I had a couple of, um, oh, he, he goes said, on, on and on. Yeah. Lyrics. He said, idealism is not art, which I really kind of do think that's, um, that's pretty yeah. justified in describing this album, but we'll get to that later right for sure soon we'll get to that very very soon let's yeah let's talk a little bit about just generally about the album and then get into the song okay i have fun facts okay Um, let's hear them it was released on october 1st 1984 it was recorded uh, may 7th to august 5th of 1984 at windmill lane studios and at sling castle not in that order um okay sling castle is a castle and they wanted a live room which they don't have which you don't have at windmill lane so um they went to this castle and they were going to use the ballroom but they ended up using uh i don't know what was it 
the kitchen or the den or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I had better acoustics and the ballroom was just echoey. And um, there were two singles, Pride, which was released September 3rd, 1984, and The Unforgettable Fire, April 22nd, 1985. It was produced by Brian Eno and Daniel Lanois. Yes. Um, it topped the charts, the UK charts at number one, also number one in Australia and New Zealand, and topped the US charts at 12. Okay. And so, um, that's what I got. I'm sorry. So I have this quote from Brian Eno going back to the um, sounding so different. He said... I had this phone call from Bono. He is the greatest salesman of all time. You have to bear that in mind. Where I said to him, look, what I'm worried about is that I might change things rather unrecognizably. People might not particularly like the new you that comes out of this. And he said, well, actually, we want to be changed unrecognizably. We don't want to just keep repeating what we've done before. So, I mean message received <laughs> right <laughs> and then going back to Kurt Loder Kurt Loder's review is a hundred percent correct like this is not the band that put out those last albums no but that wasn't the in- intention either they weren't supposed to right. be the same band exactly um absolutely uh, exactly so um quickly the mm-hmm. the name of the album the unforgettable fire was um an art exhibit that the band saw at the um, Chicago Peace Museum that was like mm-hmm. drawings of one of the survivors of, um, I don't know. Hiroshima. It, was it Hiroshima right? or Nagasaki? What, one of them. Um, there might have been stuff from both. It maybe, maybe was, but it was, maybe. it was drawings. Um, and it just kind of, hit them I mean what a great name for an album right which so the the Bono quote that that I happened upon um on the quote ticker of uh at youtube.com he said um the image of the unforgettable flyer applied not only to nuclear winterscape of a sort of homecoming but also the unforgettable fire of a man like Martin Luther King or the consuming fire that is heroin, which I hit the quote jackpot when that came up because um, I looked, I was looking up a song or something that when I had heard it and that quote came up. So that was like, ta-ching. Of all the things that man has said, I, that's like probably the one thing I haven't heard. <laughs> yeah. It was just in the ticker. I'm trying so to see. So amazing. Yeah. And, and they knew Apparently, like after seeing that exhibit at the Chicago Peace Museum, Bono decided that was the name of the album because it was too good of a title to give up. Like he wanted it. Yeah. And it went from there. Um, yeah. So the song, the album is very artistic. Very. So maybe we'll get a little artistic <laughs> with our. Sure. Talking sure. About it. Um, there's a, I mean, maybe um, you know, artistic in our own way. Right, right. Um, also, before we start, Ambient. yes, before we start, yeah. sort of the first song, which is sort of homecoming. Um, I would just like to talk about Brian Eno for a minute. Um, okay. I get riled up. 
and um <laughs> he uh so he was play the synthesizer for um roxy music he also produced david bowie genesis talking heads devo and went on to produce in addition to unforgettable fire uh joshua tree octone babies europa all that you can't leave behind and shocker no line on the horizon <laughs> um he to me just sounds like I call him Svengali Rasputin <laughs> because it's just like he somehow con- he cons the band into being ambient when I don't really think that it's uh, ambient that they want to be. But yeah, sometimes he, you know, we all get enoed from time to time. Yes, as and we've seen. it happens to the best of us. So yeah, I don't like him, but I I love you know some of the work he's done with. You do a lot of it. Um, so God most bless, of it. Most of it. God bless Brian Eno. I just don't like ambient massage no. aquarium music. <laughs> <laughs> so something interesting that your brother Jeremy said that um, was a bit interesting discussion that I'm sad that we've missed that piece now was that he didn't know that Unfavorable Fire came out before Joshua Tree. He thought they were opposite. And that didn't make any sense to him that it's like they took this enoness of the Joshua tree and took it even further in a way that right. was not <laughs> successful. No. And we were like, no, it's the other way around. Like you have to kind of start one place. Right. Or the Joshua figure out tree where to get is, to next. Exactly. The Joshua tree is far less Eno-y. And that's the evolution of you know, that's how Unforgettable right. Fire, that's how Joshua Tree evolved to Joshua Tree. It was the uh, Unforgettable Fire. Unforgettable Fire. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like it was like boot camp. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Eno let's, boot camp. <laughs> yeah, let's see how this goes. And <laughs> let's let it kick Most us in the ass and then move on. Learn some lessons, go from there. Yeah. Um. So... A Sort of Homecoming, the first song. Hey there, listeners. If you're a U2 fan, you are more than likely aware of the work that Bono has done and continues to do in Africa. It's amazing work, and the exciting thing is you can get involved too. There are two simple ways. One, go to one.org and sign up to fight against extreme poverty. Two, Visit red.org to shop. What? Shopping helps? It sure does. By purchasing Red branded products, you are contributing to the Global Fund, which supports HIV AIDS grants in many African countries. As your man says, where you live should not decide whether you live or whether you die. So head on over to one.org and red.org to join the Garden Tarts in doing our part to end AIDS. Sort of Homecoming um, has been played 113 times, most recently July 30th, 2017 in Amsterdam. I have heard it once. And guess what? So have I. (laughs) I didn't know. (laughs) You've heard it? I heard it um, in Oakland on Elevation. They played the whole okay. song there? Mm-hmm. Main set. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. That's the surprise. 
that's the surprise. I told Hillary I had a surprise because I thought I'd never heard it. And I decided to, so we use um, this at u2.com. I mentioned for that quote, that ticker quote, um, that Bonna had on Fire. We, we have a counter to keep profiles. You can put what shows you're in there and it tells you how many, what shows you've been to, how many songs you've heard, how many times you've heard this song or that song. Um, and I decided just to look. <laughs> wow, that yeah. is a shock. Well, it was my kind of I had two songs I... on my bucket list, and that was one one of them. The other was Exit, and I heard them both in the same night. And ta-da! And you live to tell the tell the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of had this thing in the back of my mind that all this time, like maybe I had, but. I've been doing enough know shows that. on enough yeah. tours that I would think it would have, but I guess again they did it on an opening night and decided it didn't. Right. Well, they played it. They played it. Oh. In Seattle, it in they played it in Vancouver and Seattle, and then at some point phased it out. But yeah, I know for sure it was played those two nights because I figured it was going to be a staple in the yeah set list but alas it was not alas well we've each heard it once yeah we each heard it on the back um so Um, my uh it's probably one of it's definitely in the top 10 of my favorite u2 songs ever um and i would say maybe in the top five but i don't really have an actual list um, right. But it's it's poetry and some of the best lyrics I think Bono has ever written. It's so beautiful. Um, so Bono had been reading this poet, Paul Seelan, I think is how you pronounce his last name, C-E-L-A-N. Um, and he said, poetry is a sort of homecoming. This is like all this time Bono's been working on being a performer and he's like really perfected that. But I think, what it, was it you that said that it was like songwriting by accident? Or were you quoting someone else? I think I was quoting Bono. You might have been quoting him. Um, like prior this to is, this, it was songwriting by accident. Yeah, just taking things he knew and putting the words that happened to go with a song. But this is like really, this is really trying to use the words. Yeah. And a product um, fence. And sometimes successful, sometimes not. But you can no, but see it is, his it's brain tr- working. Yeah. This is straight out poetry. I mean, yeah. Uh, just if you just read the song, the the lyrics out, like not sing them, it's just nuts. Like it's beautiful. Yeah. It is so beautiful. Um, there's this. <laughs> can I tell you a fun part that? ruined one little part of the song for me <laughs> yeah when's the last time you watched moulin rouge a really Has long been time a while ago. yeah can you picture the time when the um oh my gosh what is his name he's the guy that is putting up the money putting up the money for the show and um the, with the mustache and he's singing like a virgin and he's like uh, urgin, uh, uh, like he's like this really deliberate moments. There's this time when Bono goes to na ah ah I don't know. Oh no! All I can do is picture this guy. 
That's I listened to the song too many times. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um but anyway, we'll leave that. Yeah, now I'm going to I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you that. Okay. That bit and you're going to be ruined forever. But it's just I, one word. It doesn't ruin okay. the song. I can't even I can't even come up with words. I'm not clearly a poet, but I can't even come up with the words to describe how much I love this song. I love it so much. And it's like, oh my gosh, my 12 year old was doing vocabulary words today. And one of the words was jargon. (laughs) Such a great (laughs) word. I wish I knew some songwriting jargon. But like the last, I wish I like someone tell me like what is it called at the end of this song where like everything changes tone and it like I I wish I knew what that meant because it doesn't just end smoothly right. like it it kind of goes into like this and a whole different verse and then ends instead of like fading out I don't know it's just gorgeous it's absolutely gorgeous it is so oh don't sorrow no don't weep for tonight at last I'm coming home yeah it starts with the before that like and and your heart beats so slow that's where it starts yeah like the change starts so in the um Um, this is a fun fact that in the original um there weren't really lyrics in the original liner notes I guess it was just a sort of homecoming and I'm guessing because most of the songs were written pretty last minute and uh yeah and like the last two weeks of recording I think yeah so they they didn't make it but a sort of homecoming the only lyrics that ended up on the um liner notes yeah I feel like some of these songs are just so poetic like you can't even like pick them apart you can just say how nice they are we can keep going yeah the next song is pride in the name of love it is i have to do a thing for jim here so bear with me people here um we mentioned jim hanke before who was a writer and editor for rolling stone and was a early advocate of the band like he was in europe on the early 81 boy tour and came back to america like it's coming you gotta watch out um he wrote a piece in 81 for Rolling Stone called it's called U2 the next big thing I think when U2 was the band of the 80s he had on the cover Rolling Stone he had to fight for that and they were like you better be right Jim (laughs) this is better be the right decision and sure it was so um I read that when U2 was at the Chicago Peace Museum when they were seeing the Unforgettable Fire exhibit, there was also something there for an exhibit about Martin Luther King Jr. And maybe Malcolm X too, I'm not sure. I read that and I don't remember where. And some credit is given to that, but Bono gave direct credit to our dear friend Jim Hankey for Pride. I mean, this is a really cool story, but also Jim passed away this summer in July from complications from dementia. And um, 
I worked with him for a really long time at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Museum. He was the chief curator who opened the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Museum. He was there for long. I was there for 10 years and he was there longer than me. <laughs> um, he was my boss for a while. Then he became my coworker and I worked alongside with him on things. I got to work on the YouTube exhibit specifically with him, which was the highlight of my life. And I've done some pretty cool things, I think. But when he passed away, Rolling Stone reached out to Bono to get a quote for a story. So I'm going to take a moment to read. It's fair to say Jim Henke was a soft-spoken man, but what he said under his breath was often striking and keenly observed. As well as being an early believer in our band, Jim increased our faith in ourselves with encouragement and suggestions like, Here's a copy of Stephen B. Oates' Let the Trumpet Sound, The Life of Martin Luther King Jr. I think you might like this. Find similarities with the civil rights struggle in Ireland and the Deep South here in the U.S. It was an important stop on the journey into U2's nonviolent protests. And without that book, I doubt there would be a pride in the name of love and the chorus of voices that sing it louder than any PA we hang. For such a soft-spoken fella, he had us make a lot of noise. I've heard that a lot of times, and every time it it, it gives me uh, it gives me chills. Um, and every time we've been at a show that Jim has also been at, yeah, right they, as right as Edge starts up those ever so familiar tones. Yep, yeah. Bono yells out, "Jim Hankey," and it's a uh, it's a very <laughs> exciting thing to. You know, it was a very exciting thing to be at a show with Jim. Like, I think I screamed, like, you know, I saw a rock star, which I did, but I wasn't screaming for said rock star. I was screaming for It was as if my he, friend, like, said Jim. my own name. Like, as if he said right. our names <laughs> right. on the stage. And the first time, we got kind of used to it, but it yes. was still exciting. But the first time, I, like, like almost fell on the floor. Like, <laughs> what the fuck just happened? I because I worked with Jim. I know yeah. his history with the band. I know this, this, and that. But it doesn't mean that something like that is going to happen. No, no. And I mean, I knew, you know, actually, no. The first time I, the first time I saw that happen in, uh, first time I saw Jim get the shout out in, uh, was in Boston. And I don't, did not, think I expected that to happen and I lost my shit we weren't together the first time it happened no we weren't together I I know because I was I mean I believe um, you I just don't remember I was at a weird place in the rail and I saw Jim come from backstage with his laminate and everything and I swear he was like skipping or something and here I am dehydrated (laughs) and smushed at a rail with you know smelly people and strangers strangers and sweat and he just comes by skipping like hey and gave me a hug and walked on and then he got the shout out and I lost my shit I mean I squealed like a little girl like it was very exciting but and thank you for making Jim my friend because I'm very grateful for that well like here's the thing with Jim is that you know, he gets the family, he gets the family Christmas cards from the Houston family and he gets Bruce Springsteen right. and, and it's not like the hospital, it's like 
friends and family going to see the guy? Like, uh, not pretzels everyone and knows this wine. Guy. Right. No, but but more than any, Jim is just a fan. And I think it still blew his mind. Yeah. That he had access and was friendly and familiar. But these people considered him a peer. Right. Or even a mentor at that. Like, he is much older than you two. Yeah. Not much, but he older. Right. And so um, he was seen as a someone to look up to who can help them. Well, I think he definitely will be missed by all. Yes. Yep. So uh, onward to pride in the name yeah, of love. Onward to pride. It's been played 1,006 times. I've heard it 56 out of 61 shows. Only second to one. I have heard it 49 out of 50. And I figured out where I didn't hear it. And it was the Elevation Opener in Sunrise, Florida. Huh. I my I don't have the brain strength to look up where I haven't heard it. I had a moment. I was tired with tired of sixth grade vocabulary. Great. Gotcha. <laughs> jargon <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I was like it's just the one show it's not that's not listed what is it and luckily it wasn't very far down the list <laughs> um, jargon <laughs> what a great word right I remember my like uh, 10th grade vocab words were like the best and I still try to use them yeah regularly one of them was nefarious Oh, nice. Yeah, I try to use that whenever I can, like, to describe maybe, like, I don't know, Brian Eno. (laughs) (laughs) Someone asked on Twitter today, who was it? I'm going to have to look and see. It was some journalist. He asked, like, what's your favorite word? You could answer with that. I said shenanigans. Shenanigans is a really good word. I really I like know. the word shenanigans. I don't think mine is. It was Eric Alper. Yeah. Gotcha. Huh. Um, I have to think about that answer more. I don't think my my favorite word's definitely not nefarious, but I just remember that as yeah, one of the tenth grade vocab words where I don't know. I must have rocked those vocab words too, man. If you because I still them. remember them from you know just a few. Yeah years ago (laughs) just a few many years ago so um pride in the name of love (laughs) so initially bono was trying to write a song about ronald reagan and was had the name pride who was the current president when the unforgettable fire came out yeah and apparently he was thinking of pride as in something you can lose like it's like you could then become someone not to be proud of or lose your pride. And it just wasn't working out. Surprise, surprise. Um, So then the book happened, blah, 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 blah. It turned into this other version of pride that is so uplifting. Um, And we got pride as we know it about the amazing Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. Um, It was started at Slane, but they ditched it and rewrote it and re-recorded it completely at Windmill Lane with a guest backing vocalist. Yes. Yes. Mrs. Uh, Christine Kerr. Is that correct? 
Yes, otherwise known as Chrissy, Chrissy Hine, Hine from the Pretenders. the Pretenders. She happened to be in town and they got married to Jim Kerr at the time. Yeah. Um, so, as I'm sure many of you know, if you're real big U2 fans, but um, that Martin Luther King was not killed early morning, April 4. He was killed in early evening, so it was, you know, incorrect information. But um, if you notice, a lot of the time when singing to, like, his own fans, like us, at a regular concert, he still says early morning. But if it's to a group of people that might not all be knowledgeable U2 fans, they're just knowledgeable in terms of history. He says early evening. So um, they played, you two played um, Pride on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, which is where Martin Luther King gave his uh, free at last speech. And, I have um, a dream, yeah. Yeah, and I have a dream. And he, uh, so they sing it on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, which was amazing for Obama. So cool inaugural and uh, they did sing early Bono did sing early evening in that because there's a quote from him saying that the song is a missed opportunity I even get the time of Dr. King's assassination wrong I said early morning April 4 it was early evening yeah um it's a I think it's a very very um justified pop single I just don't think it belongs on this album aside from the subject matter it's just way too it's way more pop than anything else on yeah absolutely it's It's clearly a single and I think I read also that Brian Eno didn't like it probably probably because there's no Brian Eno in it it doesn't sound like any uh Brian Eno so um you're probably right on that uh, and uh, another thing that I have to give this shout out to um, our friend Shawnee because somehow we discovered this together. But if you look at the lyric, um, one man caught on a barbed wire fence, one man he resists, etc. It kind of really sounds like Lord of the Rings. Like, oh, one, yeah, one ring to rule them all, one ring to find them. So we um, in Cleveland, we were together and we had a fireball shot and sang the Lord of the Ring lyrics. <laughs> and it was that a moment. Hilarious. I didn't know that. It was a moment. Yeah. It was a moment. Um, I don't, there, she <laughs> has the entire text that we went back and forth about. Yeah. Cause we added also dumb lyrics to it, which I can't remember right now, but it was hysterical. But I, I love, uh, that was a fun moment. That anyway. is serious. I was unaware of that. Nerds. I'm not, yeah. I don't know the Lord of the Rings stuff. Yeah. Well, I will it, say, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, well, at the end of that verse, I just want to comment that he says, one man betrayed with a kiss because the Judas or Jesus or the Bible has to always get in there somewhere. Yeah. He, lo- he loves talking back, about Judas. Back to the Bible, back to Judas. Yeah. For sure. Okay, so I think, okay, Pride hit number three 
on the UK singles chart. I don't have any Mm -hmm. more information on how it did in, it went to number 33 in the US. Okay, not too shabby. I happen to have that. And too shabby. Yeah. The first time I heard it was my first U2 show in Hampton in 1992. I don't know. I wonder if the first time I heard it must have been Las Vegas. Yeah, they played it. It was uh, I know if I've heard it forty nine out of fifty shows. Right. That yeah. <laughs> it was uh, it was five songs in. It was between Do You Feel Loved and I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. Oh, that's nice. In Vegas for the first pop The love show. like went fizzled like a firework that didn't explode. Yeah. But we'll talk about that on Pop Mart. Yes. We've got a lot to talk about. Gosh, I wish I wish they had tried. Maybe they did try hard in the last. But anyway, good job on Pride, boys. Good job, Pride. Yeah, I hear it a lot. Oh, yeah. I mean, I hear it a lot, and it's not like it's one of those songs where if I got to the end of the show and I didn't hear it, I don't think I would like cry myself to the car or anything. I don't think I'd notice. I don't think I would either. But that said, I I like it. Oh, yeah. It's exciting to hear the crowd sing. What is it? We joke that it's our pee song. Yeah. (laughs) We also also established, (laughs) though, we've never gone to pee during a show. So if we had to, if it was an emergency, I suppose that's when we would go pee. But it's just just strategically. (laughs) Yeah, but we've talked about it. We've used that exact wording many, many, many times. And it was only in our failed podcast first yeah. take that we discovered neither of us had ever peed during a YouTube <laughs> show, so show. it's just kind of funny. Okay, so Wire is up next. Mm-hmm. Third track. Um, it Wh- starts with my favorite, one of my favorite intro lyrics ever, which is innocent and innocence I am. I don't know, that just always, I always love that. It's like the alliteration of it is like it is. There's and the way it that's flows. An, there's a lot, and I have actually a lot of alliteration um, highlighted, like lyrics, yeah. um, which I didn't even talk about it last time. But I'm just like a a sucker for alliteration. Oh my which gosh, prob- so which I probably learned sing. all about in tenth grade vocab too. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, maybe <laughs> I don't know. Um, Wire has been played 81 times and never once played after the Unforgettable Fire Tour. Yeah. So it was funny. I was reading this review in one of the old propaganda fan magazines, and someone said that they thought they were so excited about hearing it um, that they thought for sure this was going to be life staple. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's about heroin, which is uh, we'll discuss more throughout the album. It is the... F- it is our first meeting of many with the heroin epidemic yeah. in Dublin. Yes. Um, I really like the music. It feels like the lyrics weren't finished, which I believe they were not. Um, but like, I feel like if there were different lyrics with the same music, it would have been, it could have been, could have been uh, a big single, but it just yeah. kind of fizzles out. And then I just, the lyric, the lyric doesn't bother me because to me it's just so angry and so emotional. It just gets the, I feel like the jaw. I just get it. I um, I think the thing that stands out to me of 
dislike with this song is the end that is flat out rap. And my quote, this yeah. is me, this is my original <laughs> words. I said, just like heroin, if everyone else is doing it, you can still just say no. She didn't have to rap <laughs> just because that was the thing at the time. It's kind of yeah. bad. But that said, the rest of the song is good and I like it. Um, I mean, I don't it like... It doesn't really bother me at all, that rapping part. Does. I just, I can't. I'm no dope. I'll give you hope. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean the lyrics are great, but there's... So this was my, like, teenage, teenage angst song. Yeah. Like, when I was really pissed at something or having all kinds of feelings, I would get in the car and I would blast the song and I would, like, scream it. So that worked for me. It was, like, cathartic. <laughs> I don't. Um, I just. I'm looking at it, and it's still like, oh, I, I. The lyrics just kill me. I'm so. I like. I get it. I get the angst, and I totally get where you're coming from. But like, anytime you're on the earth is kissing time. Like, come on, Bono. Well, I, I'm not saying it's good. I just said <laughs> it's fun to sing. I. You're totally right. I'm not saying I dislike it. I'm just. Yeah. Kind of tearing it apart a little bit more now that we're. I'm just staring at the lyrics. Um, but yeah. not as fine as our. No, not. But that said, I don't. As hour. If it shuffles up, I don't skip it. I like it. I like wire. Yeah. And it's fast. It is fast. It's done with pretty quickly. Yeah. Bono said something like, um, "There is the fascination of death, and a flirting with death that's part to heroin use." And he mentioned something somewhere about, like, part of like his anger because he had friends that were you know, ruining their lives with heroin, but also like his own curiosity with his own addictive personality and fascination with death and has on there. So we talk a lot about Bono's writing and the poetry, but we should talk about the music. We should talk about the music. I wrote down for this that the music is some sort of a, an explosion of organized chaos. <laughs> <laughs> like... I try and pick out the guitar and the bass and the drums and the snap. Like, I I can't. It's hard because they're so tight. So I wrote, you can see it right here, Jenny. I wrote, yeah. like the music. <laughs> <laughs> you really dove into it. <laughs> I really did. I did. I did, though, also talk about, which I didn't say out loud, but I talked about the bass for Sort of Homecoming, which is amazing. And I just... Oh yeah, um, I didn't. That's all There's I really, really had cool about it. to it. Yeah, but it really, really is. Okay, are we done with wire? Yeah. Okay, Thank so you, we're wire. moving on to the fourth track of U2's fourth album, mm-hmm. the title track, "The Unforgettable Fire." It has been played two hundred and fifty-eight times. I have heard it five times. Five times. I heard it. Chicago, mm. 2009. Oh, they didn't play it when they came back on 360. Okay, okay. That, and that you saw sense. a lot more shows that leg, I think, yeah. than I did. Yeah, yeah. I saw Turn it that well, I, five um, on the first 360 list, U.S. 360 leg. Yeah. I think so we had think, the second oh. leg, um, even though that doesn't usually happen. I've always thought of this and a sort of homecoming as like two sides of the same coin but like I saw associated with each other but never 
new why i mean there's mm-hmm. lots of songs on this album that make sense together like that ambient kind of thing but there's i read this quote from now stokes in his youtube book that says this is a love song that links thematically back to a sort of homecoming and that just felt really validating <laughs> that, like, right so obviously the art is working whatever right. they were doing with those two like my reaction to them was um working yeah. there's something funny at the beginning that i never know i just learned this actually today okay i went back to re-listen and i was like what is happening um there's larry starts to like at the beginning and like messes up the drumstick or whatever but apparently he goes oh shit and oh then, you know what i read that too i don't hear it but yeah, i read but then yeah um I hear him mess up and stop. I can't, I got to listen to it with like good headphones or something. But then at like the 20 something second mark, he counts in again, like clicking the drumsticks. And then the, so I don't know if he came in early, but they never took it out. Even when they like remastered it. And so, um, it's good. I like it. I like either out. Yeah, I do too. I I love this song. I have um in my head like if I was in a movie and like running from people or something, this would be my soundtrack. And like I'd run and look over my shoulder and keep running. Be like dun dun dun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> dun, dun, I, I swear dun. this could also be a James Bond song. It um, could also be um. There's a little part that's very fan of the opera. <laughs> it sounds to me like the organ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, this this song, No, I can't unhear that. No, but this song is just It's very dramatic. Yeah, it is. This it is so dramatic. This song has like an element that most U2 songs do not have and that is um that is the drama of I also think this is uh I believe this is Bono's first foray into falsetto. Interesting. I believe that if my calculations are right, that is correct. But I have some- noted somewhere in my notes that his voice is so much more controlled. Yeah. And there was a quote somewhere about how they, I don't know if it was from him or whatever, but how he learned to sing again, which I don't quite understand the again part because right. we talked about how he became a performer, be- writer before he became a singer kind of thing. Right. Um, but yeah, this is this is where we meet Bono the singer, poet, trying yeah. to control his things. It. His I just I love this song. Um, it's just so complex. So my note has a story that the song that uh, Bono and Edge were at Bono's house, and um. Edge was playing like a keyboard sequencer or something, and Bono wrote mm-hmm. the bass line. And then I guess Adam came back and cleaned it up. Um, yeah. So another thing that Bono talked about, um, just that he had a hard time writing the lyrics for a lot of the songs on Unforgettable Fire, and they they ended up sounding like a sketch. This is not a sketch. This is the full picture. Yeah. This is. This is a real deal. Um, 
No sketch. They knew where they were going, and that's what they ended up with. It is solid. Solid. So yeah. solid. I love it so much. It would be nice to hear this one again, too, sometime. Yeah. You know, live, it... I'm not sure why, but it, it didn't... I mean, the first time I heard it was so super exciting, but it didn't... It didn't really strike me as amazing as I think it sounds on the album. It's not a strong live song. No, which really surprised me because it sounds like it would be. Um, Right. But I I don't remember. I I actually do. I remember being at a a show. um, Where was it? In uh, a FedEx in Maryland and thinking... This was, you know, I was so excited. I told everybody, like, you won't believe what you're going to hear. And then I was just like, well. Oh, it was all underwhelming. Yeah, but still, I'm so glad that they play it. Okay, so track five. Promenade. Promenade. I love this song. I do, too. I forget how much I love it. Like, it's like a little fun surprise when I listen. Like, I totally forget about it. And it's just a little fun surprise. Edge has these little, like, ringing notes that, to me, are like little stars in the sky. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's a picture. Bono and Ali had a new home in Bray, which is on the sea. And... It's almost like it's like a view from their bedroom or from their home. I think of it as like a painting. Like you can kind of see what's going on. There was a sports complex there. Busy. The, the house street, was people doing the, everything. The house was uh, Martello Tower on the beach. And it was yeah. built as a defensive fort. So it was this round brick um, building that was made to like withstand cannon fire and stuff so it's uh you know it's just like sitting there on the beach so I mean you have a view of of everything right um, that's there but the apparently it it had a spiral staircase mm-hmm. and in the lyric it says um in a spiral staircase to the higher ground yeah and I like a firework explode roman candle lighting lights up the sky that's just magical it's definitely a bit of a love it is i just just like this picture yeah it's beautiful and i like this the line towards the end where it says slideshow of a seaside yeah that's that's just what it is the next uh lyric is uh says coca-cola so name this little fun quiz here. Name mm, another like song that mentions Coca Cola or Coke. Oh, oh, it's uh, it's on pop. It's um, Playboy Mansion. Yes, it is. Good Playboy call. Mansion. Yeah, good call. It's all of its '90s pop references that yeah we can talk about later. Yeah. Pop culture. Yeah, I don't generally I don't generally like pop culture references, but this is just like a you know because it just dates the song so much but it's just a little itty bitty but also coca-cola is kind of timeless yeah and it's just because it's just capturing a moment yeah i love it i love god i still 
don't know. I just but you're right. It's song. like a little surprise when it comes on. Yeah. Because I never, I don't think about it. I nope. Don't... And then like, oh, what's next? <gasps> also, oh. for some super weird reason, my iPhone will not play this song. It skips right over every time. Really? Uh-huh. And then when I go to make it play, it'll um, just go right on to the next song. I have some stuff like that. It's like it won't download or accept to your library. Like there's, Mm-mm. like it's just grayed out. Yeah, I had, yes, I had to go and, and I don't remember how I got it, but I went some weird, I think I put, got it in my car. Yeah. I haven't had I it played it in a while. through Apple Radio in my car, and that's the only way it would play it when play on my phone. It was really frustrating. Well, I would like to say thank you for Promenade because it's like yeah. a little present every time. Every time. It just makes me smile. And then I think we switch over to um, we got to turn the tape over. We do. Side, the B side. Side, side B, which starts with 4th of July. Yes. Well, I think that this to the lounge act. The lounge act, yes. Sabano's <laughs> lounge act. I think this is like a little small intermission. It is like a little intermission. But it needs to be played on a stand-up base. That's true. Like sting, hashtag. Hashtag, hashtag <laughs> sting. I didn't know how we were going to get it in there. Uh, well, I had it. And my, but it, I, it was really a forced mention of yeah. Sting that my, my Sting, my hashtag Sting was that he was probably recording Dream of the Blue Turtles while you two recorded Unforgettable Fire. And that is probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have Sting on the stand-up bass during lounge act intermission. Right. And someone's snapping and I think we're good. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I have a quote from Edge. Is it from Edge? We'll find out. Yeah. Um, Adam was just playing a little bass figure during a break in the session, playing along, totally unaware that Brian Eno was listening in the other room. He happened to have some treatment set up for a vocal Bono had been doing, and he applied those to the guitar. He recorded it straight to stereotape, and we kept it as a live instrumental. We called it 4th of July to commemorate the birth of my daughter, Holly, who is Bono's goddaughter. Who was she was born, the first U2 kid. Who was born on that date right in the middle of making the album. So it's instrumental. It's just Edge and Adam. I believe um, Bono was relieved to not have to write new lyrics. Yeah, and I kind of was relieved when spending a whole lot of time writing notes about this album that I didn't have to come up with like a really long review because my my review is actually written right here that I like words (laughs) I can see it (laughs) I like words so that's my whole review of fourth of July I don't um it's nice and all but I'm not a big fan of instrumental and I think it's partially just because maybe I'm not that artsy yeah um, I had, I just have written down that the band would come on stage to this song during at least part Which of the Unforgettable Fire tour. Definitely, definitely works. So I put a question out on Twitter earlier today that we were re-recording this podcast up to see if anyone had any questions that, or anything we wanted to cover. And someone had something definitely well Elvis Presley America we'll get to that 
And I think he was just interested to hear what we had to say about 4th of July. But that's all we have. Gotcha. Eno recorded it, and then he put it on the album, and then no one proofread the album, and it stayed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They probably proof- They probably listened to it. Just trying to give him an out. Right. <laughs> but, you know, there, there are only... Um, 10 songs on this album and I think that the usual U2 album is at least two songs longer than that and you have to think of that 4th of July didn't have any lyrics and um, we'll get to (laughs) Elvis Presley in America in a little bit but yeah well this could be a question for Bono over whiskey and cake okay I I have another question for him but like I remember on for war, like they had to do like we got forty because they needed one more song. Right. Did they contractually? Did they need another song because they felt like they didn't have an ending piece? Like I don't know why they needed one more song. But like was this this fine? Did they feel like it was a complete album? Were they like, I can't do it anymore? Right. <laughs> don't make me I would ask him that. Like, why is this a shorter album? Yeah, that is a. Um... I'll tell yeah. you my other question I had because I don't want to lose it. I don't want to forget it, and that is is that so many times Bono, especially nowadays, will talk about how he hates going back and listening to lyrics because he feels like nothing is done. Like he says, how much he dislikes where the streets have no name because he thinks the lyrics are likes the lyrics because he thinks they're like a draft, and there's so much. And with, like, with pride, he said missed opportunity. But I'm curious if with this album, with it being so artsy, and I don't know, I don't think art doesn't always have to make sense. No. And it can be just, like, using words and sounds and stuff. It doesn't have to be, like, a concrete story in a song. Right. Like, if that bothers him on this album. I wonder. um, But, you know, he did say it was, like, a sketch. Yeah. So, as long as he's, I wonder if he's happy with that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm fine with it. I'm totally fine. I like this album. Yeah. I love this album. Yeah. Absolutely love this album. Okay. I think we've given Fourth of July more time than the song has length. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, track seven is bad. But it's really good. So good. Um, it's been played 560 times. I've heard it 19 times. I've heard it 22 times. Which is mostly on Elevation. Yeah. And then, of course, the latest Joshua Tree. Yep. Um, this um, is I, our... Oh, go ahead. What are you saying? I just... I think this song is just an epic. I hear it, and it's like, you know, a... Uh, I don't know. It's just epic. It's like the Declaration of Independence or something, except about heroin. You know, right? it's just like a staple in the world. I heard, I was listening to it today on my way home from running errands, and I was really trying to pay attention to the music. And like listening to bass line is actually God, really bass is nuts. It is. I wrote down that like, Adam is all over the place, but I really 
it's not. It's just that he's doing so much. Yeah. It's just like, like so beautifully. It's really amazing. It's like and edges like funky. chiming guitar. Yeah. Like Oh, it's so good. The it's bass so is, good. is like funky in a song that's not funky. You know? Like it, it just sounds like it should be the bass line for another song that maybe is a little more lively or something but it just works so perfectly yeah and that is the best best part of bad i think yeah and i would say without you know we would not have bad great oh god so there's one point for (laughs) yeah again (laughs) um again this song is uh about heroin this one's more personal yeah do you want to tell that story I feel like you had it written down. I did, and I don't have it in front of me now, but um, I'll just kind of tell the cliff notes of it as I remember it and hope that I don't mess anything up significantly. If I do, I sincerely apologize. Um, So when Bono was a young teenager and his mother passed away, he ended up being kind of scooped up by this family across the street named the Rowans who we see in many parts of um, YouTube life. Peter Rowan is the boy on the cover of the boy album and the boy on the cover of the war album. That's um, a it, lot to say right there. I know, right? There's a lot of <laughs> boys. Make sure you mess my words up. If you are a hardcore YouTube fan or even a hardcore um, art fan, a certain kind of arts, there is a gentleman named, I guess, Derek, it's named Derek Rowan, who we know as Gogi, um, who is Bono will refer to him, you know, as one of his best mates. He sings about him in Cedarwood Road, and I mean, they've just been best friends for all of time, as the stories go. But one of their another kid there is named Andy Rowan, was actually with his dad in downtown Dublin when the bomb went off. Um, seventies. Is that right? Am I messing that up? It was in the 70s. No, it was, it was in the 70s, and it's what um, Bono talks about in um, Raised by Wolf. And Andy dove into heroin to, I guess, numb that pain of sorts. And 40 years later, the pain of, like, his PTSD. Yeah, the PTSD. So I learned this by reading an interview piece, something on, from the YouTube conference. So... This is how I remember it. Andy was seeking help by going into rehab, and he happened to be in Cleveland. I don't know if the rehab facility was in Cleveland or if he was just stopping through. I don't know the details there. But he visited the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Museum and took a tour. And realized, as the story goes, realized toward the end he hadn't seen the U2 stuff, so he went to see the U2 stuff. And then he came across this glass case and in it were the handwritten lyrics for bad and um he says he had this moment where he said he felt like he knew like jesus was on his shoulder saying we're here now i'm here for you i've always been here for you we're gonna get through this and it was just um like right time right place right moment that seeing those lyrics as he was about to enter rehab um saved him like that was his like, there's no going back. Like, no. this is it. This is going to do it. And I worked at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Museum for 10 years. I meant 
I don't know if I was there when he was there. We didn't know he was there, of course. I don't know exactly what year this it was. was. I'll tell oh. you, it was 2011 because he ended up at the Pittsburgh oh, show. Then he ended up at the Pittsburgh show mm-hmm. like six months later yeah. or something. So, and of course, our um, other fellow garden tart, Amanda, who is not on the podcast with us, still works with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Museum. And to hear, like, we want the whole reason we love the Rock Hall is because we love rock and roll and because it has changed our lives and continues to change our lives. We want people to come in and not only learn the history of rock and roll, but to be touched by these very personal items and artifacts um, from their idols and to have something so personal change your life is really heavy. All the feels, all the feels. And then when 2011, when we were all in Pittsburgh, 60 show that um, Bono dedicated this song to Andy who happened to be there yep which um, just was the whole very, like, very cool to have that all it just went in the last year maybe yeah oh I didn't know that story at all I mean I actually knew that he wrote the song about one of the real but I didn't know any details oh yeah I knew that and yeah. I knew that raised by wolves connection I knew all of that but to know the story about the rock hall. the rock hall yeah that's yeah that's what I, I knew the um the lyrical connection and the story behind all of it but to know that he was mm-hmm. in Cleveland and saw the lyrics was just so so cool yeah and these lyrics are um nuts they're so good so good like i mean i'm just like reading them them now and to just read them alone like it's just you know when it stops being a lyric and when it it is again poetry that's just Mm -hmm. crazy so you know live bono never says the word never anymore he doesn't know which really breaks my heart oh this is the godfather part (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to figure out what that was. <laughs> oh, we had so many funny things in our first. Well, I'm take glad of that this. this just came back because it was. I just. I say, with the, that's exactly what just happened. When Bono doesn't say the part right that's on the album version, this desperation, dislocation, separation. Mm-hmm. You get it. You know the words. I get it. Breaks my heart that he can't just say it right. And so <laughs> when I said it. Um, when my brother was recording with us, he said, it's kind of like Fredo. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I did my Al Pacino voice, which was, you broke my heart. Which <laughs> me then laughed hysterically at me because that's current day Al Pacino and not <laughs> 1970s, whatever. Yeah. Godfather 2, <laughs> Al Pacino. <laughs> and then Jenny said she'd never seen it before. And I said, you broke my heart. <laughs> you broke my heart. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I came back to you. So, hashtag Godfather. Yeah. Part, part two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> really, it was that was the shit, the movie. Was, um, it, was it really the second one? <laughs> yeah, it really was the second okay. one. Fredo. Um, I thought you were making I it. Don't, no, it really was the, okay. the part two. I don't want to ruin okay. it for you, but. 
Fredo breaks Michael's heart. And oh, okay. Yeah, but when you're in that line of business, it doesn't go well. It's a lot of heartbreaking. Well, not not oh really, gosh. but it was a. It had a, it had to be done. Um. Anyway, so enough about the Corleone family. Yeah. So yeah, and I just love this song and I love it live and um, God, it's such a good absolutely song. like when you talk about getting lost in the art like this is you you truly enter the song you really do and the the fact that Bono seems to be able to snip in every song that has ever existed in the world into that. You know, he goes on yeah. and on with different snips, and then it's like, wait, what song was this? Where did we right. start here? Um, but he has snipped half of the Rolling Stones catalog into mm-hmm. um, bad songs and bad versions over the years, um, like like a lot. Ruby Tuesday, Sympathy for the Devil, Wild Horses. Yeah. There are U2's Wild who's gonna ride your wild horses but fool to cry uh to huh. fool to cry and then my favorite which was on the um on the joshua tree 30 tour he snipped in um america by simon and garfunkel yeah which i love and then we um, read that we read that he snipped in a few times um shag to Paco by yeah friday which we were like and we never heard that, and it turns out we have. I actually have that Cleveland show on CD, so I'm gonna have to. Yeah, do that. Because I, I don't, I don't have any. No, I don't remember hearing it either. Um, I feel like well, I would my note have says that. he. My note says he pre-snipped it, so he started seeing it before they started bad. Oh, okay. But I, I don't. I mean, I suspect that it wasn't just that one time. I think I looked up what. Yeah, it's, 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 it's heard. been like a dozen times or something yeah i think it was just i looked up the snippets that i had heard okay and, and it came up um but anyway i such a great song and it really can that song can go on for like an hour i wrote down that the music and the guitar is like a wave going back and forth it is, it is. It. Like, it's like floating in the sea it really is in the ocean yeah Ugh. Such a great song. Yeah, I re- so I remember we had some, years and years ago, we had some argument about, I don't think it, we argued to get, I think we didn't argue. You and Between? me? No, we we were arguing with somebody else about the oh, lyrics. okay. That we were sure the lyrics were, I don't even know what we thought they were, but they were incorrect. And you went and checked out the handwritten lyrics. And that was how we... <sighs> Because I think we thought it was, um, I know we thought it was burning flag, and it's black. Yeah, like, yeah um, he does say whatever. I sure as hell did go look at the handwritten lyrics. You did. I did this just, I just remember. I, mean, I forgot I, I did that. I remember that we argued with somebody about the lyrics, but um, they're incorrect. Interesting the... is that, oh, do I, but even Okay, I was gonna say eat because Kurt Loder quotes that line, and I was like, he calls it flag, but I just looked. It says flack. It is flack. So 
in Little Black Three. I'm reading the Rolling Stone, Burning Flack. He says, apparently are intended to convey an image of poetic truth about the ravages of war, but the attempted metaphor is hopelessly muddled. If the burning, if the blue and black refers to the traumatized flesh victim, what are they doing through the sky? <laughs> why, why a silken sky? <laughs> we don't know, Kurt. Yeah. Let it go. Let it go. The man is having an emotional moment about his so, friend. And the, the funny thing about, right, the funny thing about that, though, is, which I didn't mention earlier when we were talking about Kurt Loder, is that years and years later during uh, Zoo TV, Bono did an interview on uh, MTV News with Kurt Loder, and um, mm-hmm. and uh, he said, you know, he was really upset that his review wasn't very kind for unforgettable fire and he said it was year it wasn't until years later that he thought maybe there was something to it what you know to his words which i don't want i mean we can pick on the album i don't want to have bono pick on it like that's just our personal (laughs) but maybe he just realizes that it's just true i mean it is like we said before they if they were truly trying to sound unrecognizable right then of course a fan like Kurt Loner is, is going to critique that because mm-hmm. it's not the band he was expecting to hear. No, which means that they were successful, and he should actually be proud. Yeah. That's what at I this think. point in our in our um, take one. Jeremy asked, "Whatever happened to Kurt Loner?" And I said, "I don't know because there is no MTV now. Definitely, yeah. with, there's no MTV news. And you know, he had that like the day in rock and the week in rock and." That was the most like right. exciting thing ever to me. If I could get that little snippet in MTV with all, between all the videos and how things Oh my used God, to I used to record them incessantly. <laughs> so um, back to our friend Jim Hankey, who uh, passed away in July. His, for his funeral, Chris Connolly, formerly of MTV News, came and did the eulogy. And it was everything I could do to not go up to him and introduce myself and tell him that I would record him all the time waiting for you to mention. Garmin turned Amanda said I should, that he would probably get a kick out of that because it was such a U2 heavy day. Yeah. <laughs> he got up the first thing he did. I unfortunately missed the funeral and I was at a very um, appropriate celebration of Jim's life at a rock club later in the evening. But he got up, Chris got up there and he just and he just started reading Psalm 40. Oh God. And apparently that, I mean, how perfect is that? Perfect. But you know, remember when I don't we, know, we were talking about Kurt Loder. I was like, how do we get off to Chris? Well, when you said that though about Chris Connolly, it made me think about that time that we met Dave Fanning, who is a yeah. Irish uh, radio host. And we told mm-hmm. him we had recordings of his shows, and he was like humiliated. Like he <laughs> just like, seems yeah. so embarrassed that. And I'm like, well, I mean, it's we wouldn't just randomly record your show. It had to be with you two on. We it. weren't <laughs> listening to you. No. <laughs> so we you know, we met him at the U2's 40th birthday party at the Rock Hall a few years ago, and I posted the picture of you and me and him on Facebook. And a friend of mine who lives here in Cleveland, but is Irish born and bred 
was like, what, what the crap? Because <laughs> like, she grew up listening to him. She's like, yeah. how do you, <laughs> why would you ever have your picture? <laughs> she, and I was right. like, oh, he was there for you two things. She was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so track eight is Indian Summer Sky. They played it live nine times. Nine times. I'll be interested to hear what this sounds like live. Yeah, we'll have to find. We'll have to dig something up. Um, I swear, when I when we were preparing, when I was preparing preparing for this podcast, I swear it felt like I'd never heard this song before, like ever. And I always post it. I always post the. Um, lyric on summer solstice the um to flicker and to fade on this the longest day i posted every year so i'm aware of the song but i swear it just seems like i haven't ever heard it before it's weird but i love it i really like the song it has stayed in my head for weeks now it doesn't um I don't want to say it doesn't do much for me because I don't think it's a bad song. It just, it doesn't, it's, it doesn't stand out to me on the album like some of the other stuff yeah. does. No, it never has before. I don't know what changed um, this time listening, but I really like it. Like, really, like, I've had it in my head. It doesn't go away, which I'm okay with. Yeah. I read somewhere that they had begun writing it or maybe Bono I don't know. I just have begun in New York City. For some reason in my head, I have the impression that Bono started working with words, but maybe it was a band thing. Um, It was trying to get across the sense of spirit trapped in a concrete jungle. So, I mean, the speed of the song, it's very like, if you think about New York City, it's very like definitely there but the lyrics are definitely trying to find something more yeah. natural and I know I didn't think about that until you mentioned it um but I totally get how yeah I mean it's and the drums are really wrong. yeah I really, like, really it. Drum like I'm just I'm surprised by how much I like it where it's never yeah. ever done anything for me in the past I um, wish that there's a few th- I don't know if it's grasping, but there's a line that's, if I could, I would, you know, very bad. Yeah. And there's a little part that says, like, you give yourself, you give yourself, which is, I don't know, is it with or with, kind of with or without you, maybe? Like, are there some lyrics starting to form right. here? Um, but I, I don't know if I'm looking too closely. No, there was another song that, so Sort of Homecoming has um, the lyric, uh, Dislocated, Suffocated, which kind of also tells us that. Yeah. There was another Um, one, though. There was another lyric that was repetitive, but I don't remember what it was, and I don't. Well, they, Bono never repeats himself. What? Bono never repeats himself. I don't remember what it was, but there was another. More than a hundred times. I was being sarcastic. Right. 
<laughs> so the next song is Elvis Presley in America. Track nine. We can talk to our Twitter friends a little bit. Well, one of them. So his handle is Greenlight711, which makes my stay loving heart very happy. <laughs> <laughs> but so he he was answered my call on Twitter if anyone wanted to talk about anything on this album. And he had two things. First, he said, Saved by the 4th of July. And I believe Edge and Adam were just jamming and had no idea Danny was recording. Um, yes, all true, except I think it was Eno. I don't, Danny Manuel might have been in the room, but the band talks about Eno. With that, he also, he has two other things. He says, also, anything about Danny pushing Bono to improvise on Elvis Presley in America. That's the bravest thing you two has ever done, which I will comment on that in a moment. I also thought that was Brian Eno, but I... Well, they, from the band, is Eno. Yeah. But it is very... And and I'll I'll read that. I have a quote from Bono from 84. And again, I think from Ben is just because Danny Lanois was there. He mentions him here, too. And this, like is pretty correct i believe i read that it's a track from a different song played backwards to create elvis presley in america i wonder if that's what we hear on the record or if the band actually performed it backwards if that makes sense thanks and so i'll read this bono this is from nme the new music express in 1984 he said elvis presley in america was recorded in five minutes which, side note, the song is over six minutes long, so you can take what you want with that. <laughs> Back to Bono. Eno just handed me the microphone and told me to sing over this piece of music that had been slowed down, played backwards, whatever. I said, what, just like that? Now? He said, yes, this is what you're about. So I did it, and it was finished. There were all these beautiful lines and melodies coming out of it. So what I had read was that Eno slowed down the backing track to a sort of homecoming, told Bono to improvise on it. Bono got excited because there was some lyrics and stuff going on here. And Eno said, we're done. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) (laughs) You've been Eno'd. (laughs) (laughs) Spengali Rasputin. (laughs) <laughs> which we decided is the name of your Roxy Music cover band. Right, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was, my brother said that, give him his due credit, but didn't he say it or did you say oh, it? Oh, I did the cover band. I did the cover okay, band. Okay, I apologize. Take that because I part steal out that, that it was my brother. I steal that from Garden Tart Amanda because she always, she'll come up with fun sayings and decide that that's her appropriate real right. live band cover band right. <laughs> and it's also jealous of her creativity because I wish I was that fast and creative well you, you were because that was a and good I did one. I got one in yay <laughs> <laughs> I give her credit she trained me well <laughs> yeah that would be a horrible horrible cover band but okay oh. I mean I like Roxy music I just it's not my it's not my jam no maybe. I get it though Okay, so this song was played as a snip once. Shocker. <laughs> I actually am shocked. 
it's just this it was you're shocked that it was a snip once because it should have been that right it should have <laughs> been it's that. any light of day it is so ambient and so i mean i say that if you were able to record vocals underwater with a speakerphone 20 feet away and whales and whatever horrible noises Surprise. yeah this is this is what it would sound like if you could record underwater and your mic is a speakerphone 20 feet away it would sound like elvis presley in america so our friend at green light seven you know his opinion is that this is the bravest thing they've ever done and maybe releasing it was quite ballsy but I think I I feel like they got tricked, right? I I <laughs> they got Enoed. But I feel like, you know, sometimes you got to take a risk. Sometimes you know, yeah. you got to bet on that horse that long shot or whatever, but sometimes your horse just doesn't come in, and I think that's what happened with this song. It and was it, and, and makes the other stuff seem less arty. Right. It's <laughs> it's very Which is maybe brave. a good thing. Right? It's very brave. I, d- I get it. It's very brave. I just, I mean, is he singing in tongues? I don't even know what's happening. It's that Bono Gleese, whatever. Um, yeah. Apparently, a very unflattering biography of Elvis by Albert Goldman. We'll meet again another time. More of his biographical work. And so this was on his mind, which is why it goes in this Elvis direction. But it's interesting because which my brother Jeremy said the whole point of him being on the podcast was to talk about this song. And when he said it's like <laughs> the way America might look through a non-American's eyes. And I honestly kind of disagree with that because I do believe that like what Bonner says is it's an idea. America's an idea. And oh, it is whatever... Yeah. You see it as, I mean, right now it doesn't look the same as it did, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. That even like as an album in general, that the, like, it's like looking at, at the America through kind of, he didn't say rose colored glasses, but he was like right. pixie dust and right. fairy tales. And then you and I looked at each other and said, but Jeremy, it's an idea. America's not just a country. <laughs> it's an idea. <laughs> Our original words, right? We came up with a, our original yeah. words, ours and ours alone. Just ours, nobody else's. Um, no, nope. but yeah, I mean, so I disagree. Asterisk, like, find the asterisk. Right? <laughs> totally not our words, <clears throat> <laughs> but you probably know that. Anyway, so I disagree with him saying that. That said, I still don't like the song, but I don't. I just don't. It's too long. You can't tell what's going on. No. Well, it, seriously, so Jeremy asked when we were recording, like, how long is the song actually? Here, look. One page, two page. It is front and back it's, of a whole piece of paper. A whole type. I have written down that it's six minutes and 22 seconds. That's nuts. For being... That's a long... That is... I mean, that is brave. Not, like, so much to put in and like completely improvised song on the album but to make it so long even if it was that's too long even for a really good song <laughs> especially for, it's even bad even is bad even i don't that think long? it is <laughs> live maybe live but i don't think that, anyway it's 
it's really uh, oh, I just had a f- yeah I have a funny thing to say and I lost it on two pieces of paper but I have it in like two columns yeah and it still goes on the next page I didn't know my printer could print on the back of paper who'd have thought oh surprise yeah. um I don't use it very often so there was um oh so I <laughs> in my imagination it would be really funny if they ever discussed this song being a single. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, guys, why don't we make all this Presley in America the third single off the Unforgettable Fire album? How about it? <laughs> Shut up, Eno. <laughs> We're done. See and you on the you, next record. <laughs> if you're a really huge Brian Eno fan, I apologize, but also I would really like to know what's... Um, What's your deal? What, you know, ambient crap has been in your life that (laughs) you want to talk about? Just throw it out there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, my God. You're funny. But really, if you are a Brian Eno fan, I apologize, because I know that Brian Eno has quite a a following. Um, And I'm not. Yeah. It's and just, he's all I over feel it to when, music. Like, we can't he is. deny it. But I it. feel it when he... I feel his presence in too many songs that I don't care for. I guess that's Yeah, the, when it's strong, it is strong. Yeah. And it's not that it's not... He's, it's not that it's not decent music. It's just not my kind of music. I don't like ambient... Yes. You know, whales and stuff. I like um, my rock and roll to be rock and roll. I, exactly. I mean, I that I only want rock and roll. I don't. I'm, nothing else matters. No. Um, okay, so moving on to song ten. So song check 10, ten is uh yes, track ten is MLK. It's been played three hundred and twenty three times. I've heard it six times. I've heard it three times, and. I had to look up the year when, and for some reason, I thought I had heard it, like, on my first pop, my very first show was the first Pop Mart show, and I thought it was then, but it wasn't, and it makes sense, my last two shows, which were actually in San Antonio and Atlanta, and those, oh, those shows were, like, those were amazing and hard shows. We had lost Michael Hutchins had died on November 22nd and that San Antonio show was November 23rd so we it was all the emotions all Definitely the feels all of them. and then straight into San Antonio which was three days later I'm sorry Atlanta was three days later yeah um, I um yeah that was heavy and and MLK just made anytime you hear MLK, it's just like you're on sacred ground. Your your song oh, is just me, I gave me the biggest chills. I've heard you say it before, and every yeah. time it's like But you it's know a it's, prayer. The song is a prayer. It's, it's a prayer, it's a lullaby, it's therapy, it, it's everything in the shortest little song. So short. Bono quote. He said, MLK was the last track of the album, just a great lullaby. In the scriptures, they talk about the ground. And with MLK, 
you have just that, the blood crying from the ground, but not for revenge, for understanding. That's from U2 by U2. And U2 has now gotten into the habit of having these little prayers and their albums with boy it was shadows and tall trees which i don't know if it's a prayer but is a subdued song but it's um, on October. but it's it's yeah i mean it is it does come across that way but it's uh lord of the flies and it's that's yeah i think but that it's the, that the, goes in two directions with that yes yeah, yeah. but the music of it is October. And I forget who noted this. This was not, I don't know if this was, might have been Niall Stokes because I read a lot of his stuff. Mm-hmm. October was supposed to end on a prayer with Scarlet, but then they added, is that all? Which everyone notices was just a mess up. That should not have been there. Of course, war ends on 40. And now we have MLK. Yeah. So we'll see what goes. It keeps going. <laughs> right. Um, spoiler alert the trend is not broken yet it's just beautiful and I feel like just that sacred ground is all we need Mm -hmm. it's just love it poetry again you know for the beginning and end to be a sort of homecoming and MLK it doesn't matter what's in the middle it's you know it's got the perfect bookends perfect so uh, I, I, you know, I love this album and I think I don't, I don't listen to it enough. I don't think I give it enough credit where um, I'm pretty sure I give all the other albums their due credit when they deserve no, it this or is not. A, this is a but big this is, one. This is big. And just it's really big. You know, and it, it, I don't think we talked about this in this uh, version, but it's just, these are grown-ups. They're like, yeah, the the sophistication of the music and the lyric, most of the lyrics. This, these are not the kids that, you know, Mm-mm. did the did the trilogy. No, but I mean, absolutely, and you know, again, spoiler alert, uh, Unforgettable Fire. It does totally. You can just see how it develops into the next album. Yeah. Well, I was laughing the other day because like so we had done this the first version of this episode and I was like oh now I can start listening to the Joshua Tree because listeners we have a rule that we're not allowed to go ahead while we're on this project we cannot listen ahead and I admit every since well there's a song or two I go and listen to but not albums right and then Um, you had a and then you had a like <laughs> don't go any further. Stop it in its track. But like I'm having a little trouble saying goodbye to this album. I feel like that too. <laughs> I totally get that. And I'm I am just in I am in no state of mind to move on to the Joshua tree yet. So uh, luckily we have it's gonna it is gonna be a beast. Because so I think yeah, because what? Um because it is the Joshua it Tree. It is obviously <laughs> the album itself but then you know we have companion podcasts yeah. all you know rattle and hum and then I would like you know like we talked about every time we do an album we're going to talk about the tour if we went on right 
the tour and we did plenty of Joshua Tree 30 shows so I think that deserves its own definitely little podcast and Joshua Tree is picking back up down under what's going to happen there and we should really talk about that you know at least close to real time right um, and uh, maybe we should like record those in little spurts. I feel like we should just do Joshua Tree 30, our experience with it, and then it would be fun to just have little mini apps about how it's changing. Right. What do you think? I think that's okay. Well, people, people. Yeah, but I mean, people, what are you still we... listening? Right. Are you? <laughs> Margaret, are you still listening? <laughs> did you, did you They're still talking. Still... We're still talking. Did you guys go to sleep yet? Because I think really need to um but no but maybe we could like record little mini apps but then put them all together at the end of the tour oh that'd be fun and yeah and then um, but I think now instead of diving into the Joshua tree right away because we have a little bit of time before the stuff that under starts let's do live aid and conspiracy of hope we'll talk about the talk about that stuff let's talk about the do-gooding next yeah and that'll give us a little like, breather really I, I have a headache bad just, some more right <laughs> <laughs> I have a headache just thinking about the Joshua yeah. tree because oh, it's gonna be we're gonna have fun doing it we are gonna have fun but I also kind of think that there's gonna be a lot that we don't have to go into a whole lot of detail with because it's like everybody yeah. knows right this is a great song you know but but also, I haven't done my due diligence on it, and I probably don't know half the story behind the songs. We already knew. Okay, so, okay, so were, th- what? were there any subjects that we... Uh, what, hey, there's, what question was I going to ask Bono over... Whiskey uh, and cake? Whiskey and cake. I don't know. I usually have an answer for that, but I don't think I... I don't know. Like, I guess, what's your favorite song on the album? What do, you think, what do you think he'd say? I I think he might pick a, a sort of homecoming. I, that's what I was going to say it, too. Like, who, I, I think that he would say that. I would I'm hope, assuming I'm going to fire, but I think it's a sort yeah, of homecoming. I would hope he'd say that. And then I'm going to, like, throw my whiskey at him and say, well, why didn't you keep playing it, buddy? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, right? Then bring it back. Yeah. No, I'm not going to. So I'm not going to throw. I would never throw whiskey at Bono, I don't think. Not on purpose. <laughs> nope. Or if he dared me. I did. If he said, I dare you. I'd be all up in that. But it had to have consensual permission. Right. So remember when we were talking about Bono and Edge's duet? Yeah. Their best friend lover duets? Yeah. We definitely have to talk it- about this. I know. And there was Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. And then there was that article about India, about the shows yeah. in India. And I forget what ma- what magazine that was in. And the journalist just happens to mention that he walks in the room and Bono's like at the piano, hamming it up to Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. And he's all, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. The Edge. <laughs> No, he really didn't say that. I just say that. I know you say that. Every time. But that's our, some people have like ESP where they can like sense the future and tell you what's going to happen. We have BSP. BSP. And I'm not sure if the BNF 
<laughs> right? It, it could very well could be. Is it our bullshit B- or Bonner's bullshit? BB. BBSP. <laughs> well, the B is supposed to stand for Bono. But these things happen. Right. And sometimes they might be pretty obvious things, but this, I, sometimes it's they're so really crazy. super specific. It's really specific in a really short amount of time. Yeah. But so it, I'm only, I think my margin is, I'm about, percent sure yeah 11% of me thinks that maybe he's actually listening to our conversations be it <laughs> via email uh, all of our conversations or, you know i message facebook messenger facebook, all of it there's an 11% chance which i believe is fairly high when you think about the world and it's a very very high chance yeah it's about an 11% chance that he's listening he's probably not listening to this right now <laughs> even <laughs> though that's really what we would like if if you listen to Bono. like our goal in life i think our goal for this podcast maybe is to get whiskey and cake and maybe get Bonner to listen. At least one up. But yeah, so he's probably not all at the same time. Right. <laughs> Bono all at the same time. Well, I don't know, because if we're sitting with him and having no. whiskey and cake and then he listens to what we have to say about is that all or Elvis Presley in America? I don't know that I want to be there for that. I don't want to be <laughs> in the same room with him when he's listening to us. I but I would no. like to just have whiskey and cake with him. Yeah. I would like to have. I really, really want whiskey and cake with um, Bono. And if you haven't listened to any of our other podcasts, um, this is a common uh, thread that we have a dream to have whiskey and cake. (laughs) You have a vision? Television. Again, our original. uh... (laughs) (laughs) Asterisk, no, it's not. No, it's not. So also, I calculate that about 30% of what we say were is direct Bono quote. We just maybe not, don't remember that it came from him. <laughs> right. I mean, that does not include when I say I have a Bono quote. No, no, just, just that's not in the 30%. Happening. Right. Yeah. It just happens. It's just natural. It yeah. just comes out. What did you say that like three quarters of your life is <laughs> quoting some rock star? Right. I said I said that, but then I added. I think I think I had like seven quarters to that scenario. Yeah, because because you have a lot of words. Yeah. <laughs> but only I think that only quarters. in that all that amount, I think only ten percent is my original thought. <laughs> Which is still a oh, lot. I have God. a lot of thoughts. You have a lot um, of thoughts. Well, when you've yeah. got seven quarters in your dollar, man, there's a lot going on there. There's a lot going on there. And obviously, I'm I'm not. I have a lot of words, but I don't have a whole lot of math skills. <laughs> no, you don't have to have both. It's okay. No, my math skills are actually pretty good at this point in my life. But, um. Yes, you do. It doesn't help me. Quite good lesson. It doesn't really help me in any sort of way. Yeah. Um. So. So I I think we've really like. I'm really glad we redid this. I am too. So Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank Um, you, and thank you, um, for my brother Jeremy for contributing, even though it it didn't make the cut. 
I know. Well, just that we little really... that little snippet at the beginning. <laughs> the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I had to save that. I yeah, that was really. I sent it to him, and he was like, "What is this?" And I'm like, "Dude, <laughs> listen bad. to it." My brother will noted an interest in maybe participating in our pod. Oh. Um, his choice. He said. Well, um, he said what I said. Well, if you were going to do it, what album would you pick? And he was like, well, War, but that's well, what sales. And right. then he's like, pop. And then I'm like, you know, we do this in order. You knew War was coming. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Maybe he didn't but know I, it was a possibility until. Right. But still, thank you for listening, Jeremy. Will and Jeremy. Yeah. And uh, anyone else out there? We love guests. We do. We need a. Yeah, we need a figure out okay here's a good question what app if we had a guest star that was bono what app would you want crap dramatic pause that right i don't have an answer to this question i might want to be the the most recent i think i might want songs of experience yeah i think i want that too or Joshua Tree or Octung Baby, but I feel like he already has so many sound bites for those. How are you going to come up with new right. things to say? You'd have to go back into his archive. He would, but the thing is, I feel like we, he doesn't talk as much as he used to, or at least we don't hang on every word like I guess we did back in those days. Oh, we do. It's just not, it's just not always printed word either. Yeah. Um, and there aren't as many like catchy little tech. Well, and he's still saying the, and some of it he's just still saying. The same. <laughs> but no, I really, I can't wait to talk about Songs of Experience. Well, and that's where for the longest time he's, you know, he's always been the old guy. <laughs> I say that funny because we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but um, with Songs of Experience, I feel like there's, now that I'm a parent with some older children, I connect in a way to hit the, the the way he expresses his life with his children in a way right. that I have in another album. So that that's right. why that would interest me to have that conversation I, with him. I would like to say though that I remember when Octone Baby came out, and I just thought he was the oldest person ever. I'm like, oh my god, how did he get so old? Look, and then. <laughs> For wait, for Potmar, I'm just like, oh my god, make time stop. He's so old, but we're we're aging just alone, you know. Yeah, same speed. We'll talk about those Potmar stories yeah. later. <laughs> yeah, we can't give away all our good material. No, I'm just saying. Yeah, I've always thought of him as an old guy because he's you know older than I am. Just because older, and but now that we are older than he was then right <laughs> huh it's like oh yeah oh. i'm i'm as old as he was when he did when during vertigo is that right yeah yeah maybe for another I do month. that math in my head right now yeah yeah i am that i he, he was 45 during vertigo i'm currently okay. 45 for another month right so I thought he was a really old guy then, right?
but <laughs> it's all relative. It is all relative. He and he, you know, look at him on stage. He's still got it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nine. So one more thing, I, I think okay, that then we should go. We should let we our really, really lovely people go. go. Yeah. I don't think that we really mentioned Larry's name. I think we talked about drums, but I don't think we actually said Larry. And I would just like to we give Larry. We talked about him with the Unforgettable Fire. I think we said drums. I think we said drums. Didn't I say Larry was counting in wrong? Oh, you know what? You did. Okay. Oh, but I did say there was some song, maybe Indian Summer Skies, that the song, the drums are really in the front. Right. But yeah. Okay. So, so just, I just want to give Larry a, a nice shout glasses out. to Larry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Here. Raising mine. Cheers. To Larry. I mean, Larry. You got to give them all together. For, right. Unring that binds them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I think it's, I think it's, it's bedtime. Time to say goodnight. Yeah. It is. Okay, we did good. I'm I'm happy with this. Yes. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. You've no idea how flattered we are. We'll see you next time. Next time. Good night. Bye. God bless. Also, we love hearing from people and chatting with people. And of course, we love talking you too. So you can drop us a line on Instagram or Twitter at the underscore garden tarts, or you can even email us at wearethegardentarts at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you soon. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you would share it with your other YouTube loving friends, as well as leave a review for us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. We would really, really love that. May your music be loud and your whiskey be strong. Until next time, cheers.